Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, our city's alt-weekly paper is now owned by the same company who publishes the Post-Gazette where union members have been on strike since October protesting what they say are unfair labor conditions. Ryan Dito is the former managing editor at the alt-weekly Pittsburgh City Paper and currently reports for the Trib. He's here to help us make sense of it all and figure out what this means for Pittsburgh media. It's Monday, January 9th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Why do you think City Paper is so important to Pittsburgh? Why do we need an alt-weekly? Alt-weeklies are about reporting about how cool and how fun city, urban, life even suburban areas can be about our region and how to explore it and how to enjoy it. And so I think City Paper consistently will put out a print product that will do that. And that is something that you pick it up and go, I didn't know about this show. I know about that. And that actually comes from the editorial content and the advertisements. And so those, those two things, I think, are really what the base is. And then every now and again, when when a paper like an All Weekly is around and you need it to kind of you know, take a swipe at somebody, kind of, kind of, kind of report something that's going uncovered. That's really where the city paper does that the best. And that's what I love about all weeklies and having that ability to be like, Hey, that's not right. You know, we have to tell it this way and maybe it's against the status quo. Maybe it'll get us, you know, some public officials mad at us, but that's kind of what, you know, the city paper does. So I think those two things are why an all weekly is important. The same company who owns the Post-Gazette bought City Paper, Block Communications. They bought it from the Butler Eagle. And you worked at City Paper for years, but now you're at the Trib. What did you think when the news broke? I was really surprised. I mean, I didn't suspect any of this. Uh, it was, it yeah, it was really just kind of came out of nowhere. And even though I'd worked at you know City Paper for years and covered, you know, all the stuff happening at the Post-Gazette, I still, it was just... Something that really surprised me uh, in terms yeah. of who the buyer was. Um, not that not that the city paper was sold, but uh, that like who the buyer was is is you know was a really you know shocking thing. So like as soon as the announcement came, there were lots of speculations about why yeah the Block family might be purchasing a Pittsburgh City Paper. Why why do you think people were so quick to think it wasn't done in good faith? Yeah, well, I mean, the Blocks have had a pretty bad reputation for you know several years now, especially among people who really follow the Pittsburgh media scene closely, obviously mm-hmm. with all the labor disputes and all the you know controversies over Alexis Johnson and a um, bunch of other things that have been happening at the Post-Gazette over the last uh, few years. Right. We should just say that um, the Post-Gazette, which Block Communications owns, has been on strike since October. Um, 
The situation with Alexis Johnson was that, can you can you describe that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So um, the Post-Gazette came under controversy uh, during the Black Lives Matter protest for disciplining Alexis Johnson, a staffer there who uh, had tweeted out a, a humorous tweet comparing the damage from the protest to the damage that is done every year at the Kenny Chesney concert that comes to town. You know, kind of poking fun at how that's like a regular destruction of the city that no one really seems to be mad about. But when when these protests happen, everybody seemed to be really upset. Right. So uh, she tweeted that out. It went viral. It was hilarious. I retweeted it. I remember. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, she uh, was disciplined by the Post-Gazette management said she can't cover Black Lives Matter protests, can't cover these things. It led to a huge story. I think the city paper actually, well, me at the city paper was the first to break that story. And yeah. um, it, it just became this like national story about ownership and and of, you know, publications. And are they trying to censor their writers? Are they trying to block them from telling these kind of truths that combined with the fact that the you know Post Gazette before that had uh, placed some pretty conservative uh, writers in their editorial department uh, that are writing opinion yeah. stories about certain things, and so that kind of that's not really what the Post Gazette was known for for years. It was really more the liberal paper, and um, right that kind of combined uh, really kind of broke some trust, I guess, with some people, and so it just kind of. With everything that happened with all that, you see the blocks then by city paper, which is the, you know, progressive, liberal, alt-weekly, uh, people are obviously anxious over what will happen. Now, I, like, I'll say that I, 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 having worked there, I'm not so sure that it's just going to be a one-two, like, oh, they're going to censor everything. Like, yeah. it wouldn't really make sense for them to do that. Like, that would just kind of even tank the brand more. And there were the same kind of anxieties that happened when the city paper was purchased by the Butler Eagle. And there was right. controversy over uh, my former editor actually losing his job. And having worked there after that, we didn't see any any censorship or any kind of thing like that. In fact, I wrote several, several stories critical of certain conservative politicians and everything like that. So right. I understand the anxiety, but I'm not sure if it's actually going to play out. We'll have to wait and see. Since the news broke, I have seen a lot of people, you know, pointing out that City Paper is one of the only outlets that was consistently covering the strike and the labor relations at the Post-Gazette from, you know, a critical eye. Does it seem like this purchase might have, you know, anything to do with that? Like, is it a an attempt to kind of tamp things down? Yeah, you know, it's possible. I would imagine that the new owners probably don't want this other paper writing about them uh, really critically all the time. Um, yeah. Now they've now they vowed in their statement to be, you know, independent of that. I guess we'll just have to wait and see if there's another big story that comes out about the. Uh, you know, PG and then and then and then the city paper isn't covering it or 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 uh, isn't covering it critically. Um, but I totally understand the anxieties that exist. We are in like a very like interesting uh, time in Pittsburgh right now. There are local officials and candidates uh, for local office who refuse to talk to the Post-Gazette yeah. while workers are on strike. That's a lot of news that we're not getting, you know. So, yeah. What does that mean for Pittsburgh and the role of reporters at other outlets like City Paper or, or even you at the Trib? Yeah. Um, well, all the all the local officials aren't 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 boycotting me. So I, I still get right, right, um, right, right. my interviews and everything like that. And sometimes <laughs> you're, we've had you're some still benefits. in good standing, Ryan. Yeah. Sometimes there's some benefit to that. 
But I think generally it's bad. I, I don't want to see any any papers and, you know, and reporters like not be spoken to. We, we, we want all that stuff to be spread to as many readers as possible. That's the that's that's our goal is we want everyone to be as well informed as they can. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just depends on how long this strike is uh, going to you know play out for. It seems like it's here for the long game and it's going to be probably a long drawn out process at this point because it doesn't seem like uh, there's any any kind of uh, deal making happening. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. There have been a lot of writers who have left. You know, you've left City Paper. We talked to Tara Neadia about her departure last month from the paper. Also, the editor-in-chief, Lisa Cunningham, resigned after she says Butler Eagle management reprimanded her. Um, her and her team were trying to report that the Butler Eagle was printing the Post-Gazette during a strike. Now, you said you didn't see this coming, but, like, I don't know. Was this something that maybe you've heard from other people at the paper? Like, did they see this coming at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm still in contact with the people there, and uh, yeah. um, no, this was a this was kind of a surprise to them as well. Um, and and you know, I know the timing of it. They were actually meeting with the um, new owners and the old owners, and then like just like ten minutes later, they kind of you know the PG released a story about the purchase. So it I, it was a shock to them um, as well. I think that. It had been kind of well known, you know, if you look at the history of the city paper, it's been bought and sold like now a few times over the last of the yeah. last like five, six years. Um, I think yeah. I think I actually worked under like at least two different ownerships and now this third ownership. So that probably wasn't a surprise that the Eagle was looking to sell the paper. I think when I was working there, it was always like, when are we going to be sold? <laughs> like, is someone else going to buy us? It was it was that, 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 you know, that specter was always there. But in terms of who bought it, uh, I think that yeah. was more of a surprise, especially considering, you know, Block's communication, not only their own labor issues, but it's just uh, they have profitability issues with the Post-Gazette as well. So it's like, well, do you really want to buy another print online media product I don't know. It doesn't for from a business sense, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Speaking of papers that have been bought and sold recently or repeatedly and financial stresses of that, uh, we've seen a lot of alt weeklies fold over the last decade or so, including um, the Philadelphia City Paper. But Pittsburgh City Papers held on. Uh, why do you think that is like and are you concerned that that, that, that that's going to change now? You know, I 
I kind of used to be concerned about that, um, but I'm a, I'm less concerned about it now. There seems to be a pretty uh, stable base of desire for the kind of arts and music and you know entertainment coverage that right. the city paper is really known for and combine that with um those those kind of areas like to advertise they have to advertise somewhere and they want to advertise somewhere where there's consistent mm-hmm. stories about them um pittsburgh's really parochial they really love their kind of local things and yeah having that that you know that city paper just even check your horoscope check <laughs> a weird listing check what shows you know, coming regardless of the um, some of the news content, which which obviously I'm really proud of, and and I think that the city paper still does really good stuff, yeah. but that seems to be the stability that exists, and and then every now and again, city paper can really get a hard hitting story that kind of opens people's eyes and like, oh wow, we're so glad this is here. So I think that seems pretty stable to me. We actually reached out to uh, Brandon Soderberg, it's the former editor of uh, Baltimore City Paper. It was actually an alt weekly that got bought up by the group that publishes that city's main paper, the Baltimore Sun. And pretty shortly thereafter, the alt weekly shut down. Um, he was a little more pessimistic than you sound, um, where he thinks you know things stand uh, with alt weeklies right now. And here's what he had to say: The state of the alt weekly, like the state of kind of a lot of good advocacy based journalism, is in a is in a very scary place right now. Um, as I sort of have said plenty of times when I've talked about the death of the Alt Weekly, the game's kind of rigged against them. And I don't mean to be too cynical, but like the game is especially rigged against them when some big shot buyer comes in that has no understanding of what it is. And at best wants to leverage the brand for advertising. At worst, wants to turn it into some sort of, you know, libertarian, proto-capitalist, uh, nightmarish uh, place for their opinions. So where the Alt Weekly stands right now is that it's really in the hands of the journalists who want to save it, which is unfair to journalists who just, you know, on top of doing journalism, have to save the journalism they do. And it's on the communities that support them, which um, is getting harder and harder just because I think it's a larger journalistic revenue generating issue. Yeah, you know, there's really no sugarcoating what's happening to the alt-weekly industry as a whole, that it mm-hmm. definitely there are so many signs that it's been uh, really dying and 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 flailing in a lot of ways. There's, we've lost like one third or two thirds of the all weeklies that used to exist. But I, I just I worked at City Paper for six years, and I guess I always thought we were going to go under, and then they never did. And then I left, and they're still there, and they just got bought. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, yeah. What, uh, I like and so uh, why didn't they just fold it up? Like I, I don't know. Like this is this is what is is confusing. I think in the bigger countrywide trend, absolutely. And you know, Brandon's a really smart guy, and a lot of his points are absolutely correct. I just I don't know if they apply to Pittsburgh or not. I don't know. Pittsburgh is an interesting media market. We have a lot of local media, and it, I, I think there's a desire to keep it that way. So it's very strange, right? I mean, yeah. I. I just would have thought the city paper would have gone under like even before I got there. And I got there in like 2015, you know, clearly still filling the need of something. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It is. And and I think in some of these other bigger markets too, all weekly struggle more. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people who live there, there's more transplants. There's more people who are maybe have grown interested in more national news. And so 
when you're in those areas, mm. you just, I don't know, people kind of lose interest, but there seems to be a lot of focus in, in a place like Pittsburgh to kind of follow those local things. So I don't know. Now, I, I could be totally wrong. And, and we could hear in a month that the, you know, PG owners are liquidating the city paper for something and it's gone. <laughs> like It's yeah. a very precarious, but I guess I just don't know if that will actually happen. It wouldn't make much sense to buy something and then just run it into the ground. And I also think that like the way that the owners have run, you know, the Post-Gazette is kind of indicative of how they'll act towards the city paper. Now, a lot of other papers that get bought out by national conglomerates, yeah, um, like the Gannett papers, uh, like what happened with the uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer, mm-hmm. those kind of have a more very investment-based capitalistic kind of structure that will kind of robber bear in the paper for whatever value it has and then just let it go. But that's not really how the blocks have run, you know, the Post-Gazette. They could have shut down the Post-Gazette years ago. Yeah. It doesn't make money. <laughs> like <laughs> Their other companies do. Uh, and that's like, and that's part of the label dispute is that, Hey, your other companies make money. You should, you should pay this cause this is an important service. But I think the blocks for are the, all, are their controversies and issues also believe that the paper is worth keeping around else they would right. have not had it around. Uh, I know that we don't know what's really going to happen with these owners and the anxiety is there. And I totally, I totally understand that. I'm weirdly confident in, even though I left the city paper. <laughs> I'm weirdly confident in its ability to, you know, persevere. Ryan Dito is a reporter for The Trib. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. A little more news before you go. Buckle up because Pennsylvania Turnpike tolls just increased for the 15th year in a row. That's a lot of increases. The 5% increase began on Sunday, and it seems like we can expect more in the years to come. The increase wasn't because there was less travel during the pandemic, but because of a previous bill requiring tolls to fund transit programs. And after years of fundraising, the city will begin to restore Southside's Oliver Bathhouse this year. The bathhouse was built in 1915 and was intended to be a social space on top of a place to bathe. The restoration is supposed to preserve its historic integrity and make it more environmentally sustainable. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show support striking workers you know and leave us a review and subscribe to our hey pittsburgh newsletter we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city so we'll see you then you don't want to say rub a dub dub in the top do not <laughs> okay